Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And you join me tonight on this very historic uh, evening where um, we have our two uh, co-hosts with us. But this is the first time that all three of us have been on this show together. So a uh, massive welcome uh, to Sham. I think this is your first um, Premier League uh, post-match reaction podcast. So welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. My NFL team is uh, getting trounced right now, and my fantasy NFL teams are not doing much better. But the Arsenal won 3-0, so I think that more than makes up for it. You by any chance a Colts fan? No. Unfortunately, I'm a Commanders fan. Oh, uh, just just from living in the D.C. area for like 20 years, I, it's, it's too late. I can't change the team anymore, so I'm kind of locked yeah. in. Yeah, well, listen, boys, I'm going to just step back from this conversation because I don't know anything about... We'll have to make another podcast. We'll have to make another podcast. I've been trying well. to like get myself to maybe um, look into it, or but I don't want to do it for the sake of doing it because it's now become like quite popular in the UK. I just, I just feel like if it happens, it will happen. So I'm not going to force myself to, um, you know, yeah, fall in love with NFL or, or um, try and adopt it. Yeah, I mean, from, from, from what I can see is it's very similar to, dare I say, it? it's very similar to rugby. Is that nah, right? Nothing, no, no, okay. no, 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 I'll no. I've played shut. it for eight years. Yeah. Trust me. It's, 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 it's not, not similar. And I played yeah. both. I played rugby and American yeah. football. The only thing that is similar in rugby and American football and even the tackles are different. Are they? They both hurt. That is the only similarity. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I forgive me, but I hope I hope you can understand how uh, I might think it's similar because just from like looking at the, both of the sports, um, from someone totally ignorant of like both of the sports, not knowing anything about the rules or anything like that, it just mm. looks the same because obviously they handle the ball, they throw it. Um, obviously, I know in rugby that you can't throw it forward you have to throw it kind of backwards don't you backwards, and then, yeah. yeah and then with the NFL, one as well but nfl is like a hundred percent so it's like a hundred percent uh and it stops start so you have a hundred percent plays it's like a power okay. game whereas rugby flows yeah it stops and flows whereas obviously american football is downs and you have a completely different system yeah it's like a very different game we could we could have a whole podcast just talking about the differences of it but well look we're, 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 we've, we've got arsenal top of the league today yeah and we've got a lot to talk about <laughs> and of course monty welcome back it's been a while i don't know uh, why don't why do i keep it's been a while. I mean, we didn't speak that long ago, did we? Maybe because we didn't yeah. um, have a Europa League game. And but yeah, I don't know. It has... Yeah, it, it's been seven days, right? Yeah, it's been about seven days. You know, seven days too long. But you know, yeah. I've, I've been getting into here. the flow of like um, watching Arsenal every few days. I know we, it's, it's only been one week, but uh, I think mentally preparing myself to watch Arsenal Thursday, Sundays, Thursday, Sundays, and then it being interrupted um, did some damage to my system. So, um, yeah, but that's fine. Uh, we are here, and of course, we are talking about uh, Arsenal 3, Brentford 0. Um, we're back at the top of the league. We weren't yesterday, and I don't know about you guys, but that felt really strange for me. I felt a little bit uneasy and a little bit on edge. Um Monty, how, how how are you feeling now that Arsenal are back at the top where they belong? 
Oh, mate, I feel so much more clear. And I would completely agree with you. I think yesterday, after we saw the performance of Spurs and knowing they're going to be our next game after Brentford, I was saying to myself, look, like because we were at the top and knowing us of the years of old, we would have bottled that that situation and would have would have flopped. But the fact that we did it so convincingly, and that's actually the biggest home defeat Brentford had since I think it was 2018 against Norwich in the championship. Mm. So, and I mean, only um, I think Liverpool drew against Brentford last year, three three or whatever it was, and Man City only beat them one nil. So to go there and win three nil in the way that we did it. Oh, that was incredible. And I said that last time I put out a tweet yesterday and I was like, look, if we don't beat Brentford convincingly, I'm worried. Like, I'm genuinely worried. But um, no, I think I think we handled us so well. And the fact that even Erdegaard wasn't in there and Vieira just stepped up and what a game he had. Um, and you can just see that, I mean, everyone now is scared of Arsenal. Like, the, 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 do you know what I mean? That we've, I think we've, we're, we're, earning, we're earning our stripes and people are starting to worry. Yes, we had that little dip against United, but we didn't play badly. We just didn't finish our dinner and that happens as football. Um, but the fact that we bounced back in the way that we did get a clean sheet on top of that. Um, yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident going into the North London derby. That's that's the main thing. If, if it was a close game, like a 1-0 and it was sketchy, I wouldn't be as much. But the way that we genuinely manhandled Brentford the whole game, I think they had one opportunity and that was during the uh, 70 minute yeah. uh, when everyone was applauding. That was like pretty much their only chance. Um, and to do that to Brentford with like a player who's got Ivan Tony up front to shut him out like that. And Saliba, man, what a guy. We say it every week, but He's 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 going to become one of the best centre backs in the world. I don't even care. I, I he he might be probably the the first defender since um what was it Hoffa? Was it Hoffa back in '96 or was it Cannavara? We want the last defender to win a Ballon d'Or. I'm not even joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got he's got that written all over him, bro. Yeah. He's got. That I, I'll he's... be honest. I was a little bit disappointed with Saliba. Um, I did expect two more goals and to keep eleven of Brentford <laughs> players in his pocket, but he only managed to keep the one. So, um, and he, and he only managed to score the one goal. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll let him off. We'll let him off this week. Uh, Sham, we are back on top. Like I said, um, we are we look like we are building some serious momentum here. I mean, if you if you look back to last season and. Uh, the season before that and some of the patterns uh, of, you know, the games that we were playing where, you know, we would go on this incredible run of, you know, 10 games undefeated and then you lose one and then you'd see two or three results following that being a little bit dodgy. If, we, if we'd get the victories, they'd be unconvincing or we'd be getting draws or we'd be losing. This time around, we bounced back and we bounced back in the most convincing way um, that you that you'd expect Arsenal to to to, to do. Um, just just uh, out of interest, uh, did you did you manage did you, did did you watch Spurs play yesterday? If you did, are you worried, or what did you make of them? And if you didn't, I'm still going to ask you the same question um, because they're they're breathing down our necks alongside with City. Um, I I very highly doubt will be a title race between Arsenal, Spurs and City. I don't see that happening. But as it stands right now, the momentum is with those three teams. Going into the North London derby, um, what, what are your feelings towards Spurs? How are, you, how are you looking at them? So I wasn't able to watch the game yesterday, but I was kind of keeping tabs on it uh, throughout the day. I was I was out um, for, for a friend's birthday party for much of the day. But... Um, so I, I was keeping tabs on the game and I went and kind of reviewed some of the match stats and, you know, I looked at, I looked at the XG. I don't have it on me at the moment, but I remember 
you know, from it, even though Spurs scored six goals and Leicester scored two, I remember Leicester having the higher XG and I think Spurs had 39% possession. And actually, if you look at Spurs Twitter, if you look at what a lot of Spurs fans were saying online in the aftermath of the match, they actually seemed pretty concerned and upset at times. And I, I mean, I think I would be too if if I were a Spurs fan because I there there seems to be a wave of Arsenal fans who um, are are pretty worried about Spurs and seem to think that they're better than us. But the way the way they play, you know, they seed possession, they allow. Uh, the other team to control and dominate the match. They rely on hitting on the counter. They rely on, you know, their two best forwards maintaining world-class form throughout the entirety of the season. That's not really sustainable. Mm. And uh, there was, there was a graphic floating around earlier today that basically showed that, you know, they had a really low amount of, um, of opposing penalty box entries, which also just kind of underlines this point of, how what they're doing isn't sustainable. And, you know, if you base your entire game plan on letting the other team control the match, yeah, eventually that's going to come back to haunt you. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about Spurs. I, I still think they're good, but, you know, I, I definitely don't think they're in the title mm. race, you know, uh, whether we are remains to be seen even, but um I, I, I think if we're out of it, it's not going to be between Spurs and and City. It probably will just be City on their own. Mm. So, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, to when we play them on the 1st of October. I think that's going to be a really fun match. I think it's going to be a nice little um, uh, reference point for us to kind of look back and, you know, really see, you know, how each of these two uh, different approaches to the game you know, really play against each other and how they play out over time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just just looking at the way Spurs play, looking at the underlying numbers, looking at how you know the people who watch them every week feel about them. That that's a that's a bubble that looks you know likely to burst at some point in your future. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I I, <laughs> uh, I took the time out yesterday to put myself through that ninety minutes, and actually, surprisingly, it was a very good game. Um, I have to say, I was very, very surprised with uh, how <laughs> how much I enjoyed a, such a poor game of football. I don't know, Monty, if you watched it, but the first half was dire. It was very entertaining because there was four goals. And obviously, when Son came on in the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, stole the show. But aside from that, you could see Spurs were in trouble. Um, and I, I was quite glad uh, to, to, to have watched that game because it was almost like a bit of homework for me to see what the whole... Yeah, I watched, um, I watched the whole game. Yeah, it, was, yeah. It, was yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't all that impressive for me. I mean, I could see that Spurs didn't really have any uh, real dynamism going forward. It was very much just long balls. It was very much Kane dropping deep to try and pick up the ball and create momentum. Uh, they, 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 they are a terrible... And look, I'm not just saying this because um you know i'm an arsenal fan and i despise spurs it's, it's nothing like that from my observation i saw both sides just be just very poor on the ball very poor at linking up play very poor at progressing the football from one side of the pitch to the other um, and i think that if arsenal uh approach the north london derby in any kind of way that they did with Brentford, they'll be okay. Um, but I just fear that the occasion might get the better of them, like um, it, 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 it like it 
you know, one can argue it did uh, at Old Trafford. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we can come back to this uh, Spurs conversation and looking forward to the next few games uh, at the end of the show. Let's let's we do have a game to talk about, and that is, of course, the game against Brentford. Um, Monty, how were your sort of pre-match feelings? Because this one, I, I think the sting was taken out of it with the context of. Um, you know the, the 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 passing of Queen Elizabeth and um, the second, and just uh, everything happening in, with the Premier League and games being postponed, and um, you know October, <laughs> the 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 month that we're all dreading. Um, but this was that that game that no one was kind of talking about until today or until Mikel Arteta's press conference yesterday. Uh, it was almost the forgotten game. Um, especially with the PSV game being cancelled so last minute as well. Um, so how how are you feeling going into this game? Um, there were definitely concerns. <clears throat> Whether they were, I mean, I, I always thought we'd win the game. Like, I, I mean, I did the the Arsenal pre match predictor and I predicted two nil. Um, what did worry me is when I saw that Erdegaard wouldn't play. Not so much Zinchenko because we've got Tierney now, and I'm not too actually worried. If it was last year, maybe I'd when it was Tavares, yeah, I'd have been a bit worried, but. I'm, I wasn't too worried in that regard. Um, the fact that Erdegaard was playing, I was thinking, how are we going to create goals? And, um, well, Saka, Saka stepped up. He really stepped up today. Um, Vieira, what a debut, what a goal. Um, I, I, yeah, pretty much it was, there were, there were, there was, I was being a bit tentative, but for me, it was more looking at how can we sort of match up with their players because Brentford, they like to come at you. They like to be physical and, they didn't even get a chance today. We played too quick for them. They, they they couldn't even get near us to be physical because by the time they even was able to touch us, the ball was already gone, um, and they weren't able to get anywhere near us. So that was that was just incredible. Uh, watching a game, I was just watching the, the first half specifically. I was just like, "What is going on here?" And I'm surprised we didn't even score more, to be honest. And you got to give it to David Rea; he did some great saves. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I wasn't too worried. For me, I just wanted to make sure we'd had a confident win and I, I, I wanted like a 2-0 just a clean sheet was the big one um, and we, we upped it we went to 3-0 so I was really happy um, and some of my concerns were, were were sort of put at ease really I mean Vieira looks like he could be a great little uh, asset and a pick for us um, I mean he, he really stepped up uh, in Erdegaard's absence he was he was getting he was there he was basically involved all the time Martinelli mm. as well he seemed to take on a bit of a new role today. I, I saw him centrally. I saw him uh, working as an eight. I saw him as a left back. I saw him pretty much everywhere. Um, and that's why I think I saw Arteta sub him off. He just got tired. Like the guy was just running and running and running and running and running and running. And I was like, this this guy just has a, he must have a solar power motor because like he just, he just seems to charge up throughout the game. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was just incredible to watch. But, yeah, no, I mean, no no discredit to Brentford. I mean, we are just a better team than them. So I was expecting a win. I just didn't expect it to be as convincing as it was. Um, but I, I'm uh, I'm happy that it was. Um, and I think there was, there was great play. And going into this, going into the sort of the, the international break, I think the boys are going to be a lot more happy about it because like we had that bad game against United. We didn't have a bad game. We, we just had a bad result against United uh, and we needed to bounce back. And um, they've shown that maturity now um, and they are still young. The team is still young, but they have this like sense of 
they've been there, they've been there, done that. They've got like heads of like 29, 30 year olds on them mm. um, because they've had that, those amount of games at such a young age. Um, and also as well, uh, Nawari as well coming on 15 years old. That's, mm. that's incredible. When I saw, when I saw him on the, on the, 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 like the um, team sheet, I was like, that's a bit of a bold move. Um, but do you know what? If, if Arteta thinks he was good enough to step in, well done. I'm not fair play to that. He's going to go to school on Tuesday. Mm. And if he spent his weekend playing for Arsenal, what a life. Like, yeah. fair play to the kid. Yeah. Really happy for him. And not only has he broke the Premier League record, he's broke top flight history record um, for the youngest player to, to, to step up. So not just the Premier League, which is an astounding achievement, if you ask me. Yeah. But and- I was really happy with it. He he was sitting next to um was it uh Lena the Cruz Souza and uh, I could have sworn like yeah. they were just like a spitting image. It was almost as if they were looking both looking in the mirror. Um they're not related in any way, are they? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not. Yeah. Uh but they, yeah, it was there was just this one like um moment where they showed it on the TV. They were just both chatting, sitting next to each other, and I was just had to blink twice. Uh, they just look so similar with one another. Uh, Sham, what about you? Um, going into this game, obviously, we, we heard the news, the unfortunate news that Mikel Arteta uh, won the, the the dreaded Manager of the Month award um, and obviously coming off the back of a defeat. Um, all the hallmarks to make for a, a horrible uh, start to... Um, uh, another another run, maybe another run of maybe a continued run of defeats. Um, but h- how did you feel going into this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. You know, Brentford away is a pretty tricky fixture. You know, we're gonna see a bunch of really good teams go play them, um, and drop points over the course of the season. And so, it, you know, there was that, and then. I think there's a mental aspect uh, in terms of being among the last to play in any given Premier League weekend, especially, you know, when you're competing for something, especially when you're at the top of the table and then City win and then Spurs win and then they both overtake you. So there's that added pressure with everyone watching now to, you know, get out there and win a tricky game and go back to, you know, the top of the league. So you know, for for perhaps people who were wishing misfortune on Arsenal or, you know, hoping to see Arsenal stumble, this this was kind of perfect timing where, you know, Arteta won the, the Manager of the Month award and, you know, there's that bit of a curse associated with it. And then we're going to we're going to play this tricky fixture that we have a little bit of recent history with, you know, uh, Brentford away was kind of the the match that kickstarted um, a rough start to last season, so I, I I was nervous. You know, I um if we hadn't started so well, I think I would have gotten pretty uh, anxious around the 25, 30 minute mark. So you know, to see us come out and get that fast start and score two goals in under thirty minutes was you know immensely reassuring and. Yeah, I mean, just just the the way we dominated that game, I think, was the perfect response to, you know, anyone who was doubting our ability to, you know, get out there and muster up, you know, what I think is an elite mentality, a competitive mentality, and, you know, win this match against a side that has done quite well for themselves over the course of the season. You know, I think they're eighth heading into the match. 
So yeah, I was, I was really impressed with what we did. And um, I, I guess I will say I was a little surprised. I, I maybe would have expected like a two, a narrow two, one win, maybe two nil. So mm. a very dominant three nil win was, um, you know, more yeah. more than wonderful for me yeah yeah and uh, funnily enough you know i predicted sort of the same uh, a narrow 2-1 uh victory you know going to brentford is never an easy place and they've they've kind of made it a fortress this season they've made it really difficult incredibly difficult for opponents to come there and, and take a result uh, but the manner in which that we did it was just you know breathtaking and actually um i didn't feel that all that surprised at half time when we absolutely dominated that half and managed to score two goals um, it, it it affirmed something for me and it showed me that Arsenal are now the real deal. Um, but they kind of have been for a while. Arsenal last season were playing the same-ish kind of... Well, the, the philosophy of the type of football that they were playing was the same under Arteta. Some could, quality now. Yeah, some, some could argue, you know, even right from the very beginning, right from the very off, um, we've just, you know, tightened up some of the loose bits uh, that were causing us problems last season. But now, I think what's happened this season is that teams continue to underestimate how good we actually are. Um, and I put out a tweet at halftime, I think it was, or at one stage um, during the game. And I said that we, we're finally, we finally find ourselves um, as a really well-oiled machine. We, we, we have a, a very decent... Uh, like a starting 11 or just a squad just generally a squad like you can't look at any position and be like oh you know this is a, this is an issue for us or this player is a bit of a liability or you know we, we can't trust the ball being played down this area every single position on that pitch has been covered with a very decent um, Premier League player and we haven't had a squad like that since from from what I can remember 2011-2012 where every position had a decent player, where there was quality across the pitch. Um, since then, it was just, you know, obviously downhill. Um, and now that we've got the right balance of players, but also the right balance of coaching is coming together. And those two ingredients are creating this just oozing uh, perfection of football that everyone is is watching in awe. You know, no one's going to say it. No rival fan's going to watch and say, you know what? That's a real team playing out there with some really good players and a really good coach. They're going to keep it quiet until the end of the season, where hopefully Arsenal lift some silver and say, you know what, fair play to them. They did their job. And and actually, rightly so, because we've got a lot to prove and we've got a lot to do. And October coming up after the international break is a make or break. Um, and, you know, it's, it's weird because I feel like every game is a test in its in itself. Um, maybe a season ago, you look at Brent, the Brentford fixture and you say, well, easy three points there. Uh, you look at Leicester, you know, a few weeks back, whenever we played them at home. Um, theoretically, it's an easy game, but all of us before the game were saying, it's a big test. It's a test. First game, first home game of the season. We need to win it. We need to win it convincingly. Do we have it? Same again this time round, coming off of a pretty, you know, devastating defeat in the sense of the result how the how the boys going to react what's what's the um response going to be like again looking ahead to north london derby how are they going to react to this victory are they going to continue the momentum and that's good that's very healthy because it means that we're not complacent it means that we're on edge always and teams that are on edge oftentimes deliver the goods and teams that are complacent oftentimes 
they will lose that little bit of stardust, which is making them tick. Um, so let's talk about the first half. Let's talk about the the goals and some of the good stuff and yeah, maybe some of the not so good stuff. Um, I always like to pull you know both sides and uh, really analyze it in depth. Sham, I know this is your first time on the podcast, but you've listened to it before. So uh, I like to go in 10 minute intervals. <laughs> if you don't want to follow that kind of um, analysis, absolutely don't have to. I'm just a meticulous like that. But let's talk about the first 10 minutes. I often say that the first minute of a football match will tell you everything you need to know about the attitude of both sides, how they're going to set up, how they're going to play, and maybe the game plan for that opening uh, 20, 25 minutes before you know something changes. But um, in fact, I'll ask you, uh, Monty, how, how did you think the first sort of 10 minutes played out? Well, I think it was just from the get-go, um, it was a very clear intent of what we wanted to do. Um, just came straight onto the ball and we just didn't give him a chance and you were like, oh, okay, okay, like we, we know what we're going to get here. It's just a case of whether we can finish. Um, and yeah, it, honestly, it was it was just dominant. I mean, we kept the ball, they had a ball a couple of times, but then we just choked them out again and got it back. Um, so it was comfortable. The first 10 minutes, I mean, we didn't really have many opportunities in the first 10 minutes. Obviously, we got the goal in the 11th from a corner. But... Although it was a good corner, if you actually look at it, it was just poor defending. Like not to have, not having anyone on the back post is a crime, and that's why they got that's why they conceded. But no, honestly, the first ten minutes it, it was just it was electric, really, wasn't it? I mean, we did what we normally do, just choked them out high, press high, the the defensive lineman high, and we got the ball back every time we lost it. So I, I was kind of confident from from that. Really, I was like, okay, this is I know what we're going to expect. Now it's a case of what I what what's happened. To me recently, I'd say with Arsenal is if we score early now, I think we win a game. We win a game. No, I, I don't actually see us losing a game if we score early now. But what I think is, is if we play with this high intensity and don't get anything out of it, a team, the longer it goes on, the more that worries me. Hmm. Um, but now, honestly, the first 10 minutes, uh, there, there wasn't really much to review. It was because it was just pretty much one sided. So, yeah, we just we were just dominating. We was, we, everyone was finding each other well. Um, it was just sort of one touches and we was able to shift the, the, the defense they were getting, they could already see them sweating within the first 10 minutes. So we'll definitely being able to move the ball. Right. And that was it really. You can't really, there was not much else to, to really mm. sort of review, but and I really liked it. I liked the, the, just the initial, there's no lethargicness about it. It was like, look, we're ready to play boom. It wasn't like, Oh, we haven't yeah. played for two weeks. It was like, no, 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 we're hungry. Mm. You know what I really liked about the the, the opening ten minutes uh, of of all Arsenal games, not just this one, but we start in a uh, we, we start we tend to start in first kit, and but we play in a way that doesn't require us to play with such high intensity. It doesn't need to be a hundred miles an hour, but we somehow manage to find a way that reflects like control and reflects dominance. Um, some of the goals that I think two of the goals follow in the corner, the the last two goals that we scored. If you look at the build up, it was very much just passing the ball casually, and then with a click of a finger, getting getting the ball in that danger area, and then bang, you know, within a blink of an eye, it's a goal. Um, almost happened in the very first minute of the game, actually, with you know Shaka and Martinelli linking up really well. I think they found themselves in the box. Martinelli scuffs a shot but really fluid combinations. And that's what I think is going to hurt most teams. I, I think teams who are 
comfortable to just ease into the game are going to find it really difficult to mentally prepare themselves for Arsenal to also ease themselves into the game, but then switch the flick in a blink of an eye. Um, but like you say, what worries me, and I saw it a, a few times, was how high we play. And, you know, maybe, again, it's, it's the age-old argument of if you want to play this type of football, you're going to have to play that high line because it requires more players to be up the pitch and requires more bodies, requires more, you know, feet and touches, etc., etc. But when we leave that space in behind, um, Mbwemo and especially Tony as well, both of those players feed off of, you know, long balls over the top and playing... Uh, trying to break that um, offside trap and uh, could have happened on a few occasions uh, I, felt, I felt like Ben White particularly um, maybe found it a little bit tough to keep Henry quiet in that first opening few minutes but um, like you say early goal killed the momentum uh, you know really comfortable in possession seeing plenty of the ball especially Martinelli and Jesus and again Jesus we often forget how integral he is like pulling all the pieces together I thought going into this game that it would be really difficult to see the fluidity in our uh, build-up play with the absence of uh, Odegaard but actually Jesus Martinelli Saka worked that much more harder to fill those gaps um, and and you know even Vieira himself and here's what I really like about Vieira he doesn't need to be Martin Odegaard he doesn't need to replicate his work but he brings something different to that position, which is again, it's just it's 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 great to see because uh, there's just so much options, you know, so many different options to bring off the bench to change, tweak the game plan a little bit, keeps the opposition thinking, um, and I feel like that was the key today. It Brentford were just too busy thinking how to nullify Arsenal or how to get around rather than playing the game. Um, tell me, um, Sham. What did you what did you make of the first goal? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I think I think like Monty said, a lot of it was uh was Brentford kind of dropping the ball defensively in terms of not having that man at the back post. Saliba got around Tony really easily to get on to the near post ball and just, you know, um bump it in uh from the from the far post over the line. So I, I thought it was, you know, really well worked routine from us, but Brentford didn't really put up much much resistance to it. So, you know, it, it's it's really nice to see Saliba, you know, build on his his uh his goal against Bournemouth earlier in the year. And yeah, I mean I, I think a really underrated part of our general style of play is getting those goals from set pieces primarily from Gabriel and Saliba. I think we have, is it three goals from the two of them now? It might be four, but, you know, um, Gabriel was the highest scoring center back last season, the Premier League. Mm. He already has a goal this uh, this season. Saliba has two. So I think we're going to see those two hopefully chip in, you know, anywhere between eight and 12 goals over the course of this season. 12 obviously would be a dream, but, you know, just uh, just working those corner routines and really maximizing every advantage we have in terms of, you know, these physical freak center backs who, you know, they're big, they're strong, they have power, they can, you know, get up and beat most people to uh, to a ball in the air. Um, yeah, so it was it was really good just to see us get that goal to see how we got that goal. 
And, you know, like Monty alluded to earlier, I, I also kind of breathed a sigh of relief when we got that first goal, because it really did kind of take the air out of the ground a little bit. And you just felt, you know, just, um, you, you felt the team be a little bit more confident after that. And that's not to say they weren't confident, obviously the way they started the match, you know, they, they were at it from the first whistle, but you know, I think once that first goal went in, we really asserted ourselves from, from then on. And yeah, I, I, I think, I think if we score first now, it's really hard to imagine us losing the game because we, we control the match so well. And, you know, in terms of the high line we play, it's a numbers game really. So it, it feels like we give away a number of chances, but it's, it's only really a few. And uh, I think the way it plays out over the course of a season is that, you know, you, you, you concede fewer goals than, um, than, you know, maybe not playing the high line. Mm. So yeah, it, it was just really assuring to get that first goal. And, you know, obviously we went, we, you know, went from strength to strength after that scored the second goal, you know, just, I think a little over 10 minutes later and yeah, it was, um, it, it was really great to see us get that early start in the match that we really needed to, uh, get the three points in. Yeah. And you know, if you, I guess compared to, if you compare it to the problems that we were facing last season, which was not over committing, which was not playing as high of a line as maybe we, we, we should have, um, it's dragging the game out longer than it should. And then giving the opposition the time to grow into the game, which, um, again, before the goal, I remember sitting there thinking, right, Brentford do look tentative. They do like they do look like they're sussing us out, trying to figure out what they should be doing. If we don't get a goal quickly, then we know that, you know, they're going to suffocate you in midfield as soon as you enter their half and pounce. Um, and th- the wake up call was that goal. Because they started playing with a little bit more speed in their passing and their moving. Um, Gabriel then went down with a calf problem, you know, praying that he would just get up. But it seems like it was something that he picked up during the warm up. Um, I imagine that he will now have to, you know, be tended to. And I don't know what this problem is, but it seems like it's not serious enough to rule him out of that game so hopefully it's nothing more than a few weeks which um he can now rest off and be fresh and ready for the north london derby um yeah but monty these uh, i think injuries is is something that all teams are going to face um a growing number of injuries um, more than you know team most teams are going to be used to but Already, you can see the, the 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 mountain list of injuries growing at Arsenal. Is this something that we need to be worried about? Because there were two players on that pitch that that experienced some discomfort. Um, Ramsdale went down again, and again, Gabriel that calf problem. Um, how long before Arsenal need to actually start worrying? Because it, it, it's it's no coincidence that we saw those two youngsters on the bench. Um, uh, you know, is this something that Arsenal need to be worried about? What do you think the plan is going to be to try and minimise the number of injuries? I think every club always tries to minimise the case of injuries. I think sometimes it's just unfortunate, you know, um, and we do play an intensive game. So sometimes you might get a little bit more in, more injuries. I mean, like Emil Smith-Rowe, it's, it's a long-standing issue with him. Um, I'm kind of getting Jack Wilshere vibes and I, mm. I really don't want it to go that way um, because he is just a fantastic talent. Um, I don't think we necessarily have to worry 
yet because we have the core players. If this was the same situation last year, though, I'd be I'd be worried because we would have had Lacazette and Mbappé up front, but we have the players to get us over the line mm. in games. Um, so I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily too worried. But if we start losing, say Saliba, then that's like a big one, or or like Ramsdale because. Turner hasn't yet convinced me, um, but I'm not. I wouldn't say necessarily too worried. I mean, every team will have injuries. Every team has injuries. It just happens. Um, no one is Iron Man at the end of the day. Um, I I think the international breaks come out a really good time, as well. Um, I, I think that's definitely something worth worth noting because Reece, we've got Reese Nelson back now. Mm. Um, he's back in training, and uh, I really hope that he gets a good run in uh, this season because. Um, yeah, I think it would just be good to see Reese Nelson because I if it's just if it it's it's been so long since we've seen him, do you know what I mean? And there and I think a lot of people know there is a player in there. So I'm I'm actually not too worried to be honest. If if it if it was like Thomas Party was out on an ACL injury or Anjaka at the same time, do you know what I mean? Then I'd be majorly concerned. Um But at the moment I'm not. It's, it it seems to just be knocks. Like Knox, we can deal with. It's two weeks. It's a week out. We've got the players you can interchange. We've got the versatility and players. I mean, we can have Vieira going at, playing as an eight. We can go on the right wing. We've got um, we've got I know Marquinhos can go left and right wing. Um, we've got Zinchenko when he comes back. I mean, he'll be out for me. He'll probably be back for the, the North London derby. And if if say a, a midfield injury was to happen, he can step in there as well. So. Yeah, I'm not too worried. It's only it's only when we start start seeing a bit more than than I would. But for me personally, I'm, I'm not worried. What about you? Um, I it's too, I think it's too early to tell. I think October will be very telling what happens because there are so many games. I think every three or four days we're playing and we're playing competitive games. Um, Spurs is going to be hundred percent everyone's going to be at it from the very first minute to the last. Then you've got Bodo Glimt uh, at home. I don't expect the same 11 to be playing during that for that game. Um, I expect, you know, 10, yeah, definitely not. 9, 10 changes. But then you've got Liverpool at home. And again, from zero from first from first minute to the 90th it's going to, it's going to be very very intense. Bodo Glimt again away. The, yeah, go on, mate. Key thing I would say, sorry now, the key thing I would say is that they are at home. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's why I'm not actually too worried about the North London derby per se, because like the the atmosphere in that stadium will mm-hmm. be hostile for Spurs and it will be like it'll be like a, a 12th man for yeah. Arsenal. That's but, why I'm not too worried yeah. about those two games. But Bodo Glint, yeah. right, we'll 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 see. I think I I'd like to see Reese Nelson come back. We'll see Rob Holden get on there mm-hmm. as well. Um, like he was against um Zurich. Uh we'll see Marquinhos get some run in, we might see Vieira as well. See Sambi La Conga, um, and I'd li- I'd like to see Le- Nino Souza. That that's one I want to see because um, I've been watching him in the youth, and he's a good player. He's a good player. Um, mm. He's got a bright future, so I would like to see him get a, get a run in. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried. I think there's adequate time between the Tottenham and Liverpool game. There's eight days between them, so we can rest. We can rest yeah. pretty much everyone because it's yeah. only two days. It's only two, three days different between. Um, but luckily, they're all at home, so there's no traveling. There's no all of that stuff. 
then it's four days later we're going back to Bodo and uh, they're in they're um, Norwegian aren't they Norwegian yeah team. so it's not yeah. so far away it's not yeah it's not too um, far probably Just the same time they will take Arsenal to go Leeds <laughs> you know by yeah. I don't know, however however they go there whether it's coach but um, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that you Leeds, it wouldn't be too bad. I mean, it's a away game three days later, but again, we've got that. I, I'm, I, although we do have, we have a lot of games. We do have a lot of games, and sort of every three to four days. Um, I think towards the end of the month, it gets a bit more tight than mm. say the start. I think because obviously we've got PSV on the twentieth, Southampton on the twenty third, PSV again on the twenty seventh, and then Nottingham Forest on the thirtieth, and then we have Zurich on the third, and then Chelsea on the sixth of November. Yeah. Um so that 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 that's where it gets really tight. Like right just before the um the World Cup breaks, we've got Chelsea, Brighton, Wolves all within six days. So yeah. that's a lot. That that's where I would be worried. But I think by that time all of our injuries will be good. We should be back, like the the sort of the longer term ones. Mm. Um and if we can keep fresh, I, I think we'll be fine. And I think we have enough talent in the academy to 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 draw up against sort of the likes of um, Zurich and Bodo Glint and, and even PSV. Like, don't get me wrong, PSV, yeah, they did well to get to a... I know it was fair Fenno that did it, but PSV, like, they're a decent team, but they're, just, they're not prem quality. Like, we should be winning those games at like, 3-4-0, so I'm not yeah. I'm not too stressed. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely something yeah. worth noting. But That's the thing, though, isn't it? Like, you, you would hope that Arsenal avoid injuries, but just from, just from watching the game against... Um, Brentford, just those two incidents with Gabriel and um, Ramsdale. I'm just praying and hoping that players are not forcing themselves to play with injuries like we saw previously with Tierney, etc. Uh, if you're injured, if you feel, if you feel something wrong, tell the physio and sort it out. <laughs> Don't play on with an injury. And just yeah, uh, it will be very very interesting to see how Mikel manages the squad. But as you say, rightly say, um, you know we're in these two very different competitions one of them requires t- total focus no no um errors whatsoever with the europa league maybe a little bit of leeway with that um, in the group stage not necessarily yeah. in the last yeah, yeah, stage yeah, but the yeah. group stage 100% absolutely absolutely yeah and um and i guess some you know something to give us comfort is that a lot of other teams are going to be in the same boat a lot of a, a lot of our rivals um are in the same boat and are actually suffering right now. And Arsenal are yet to kind of experience that. So, um, yeah, but back to the game now, Sham. Um, Arsenal scored the first goal. Uh, Brentford, they upped the tempo a little bit. Before we scored a second goal, um, how, how, how are you seeing things uh, in terms of sort of the way Brentford reacts, the way Arsenal reacts? Because for me, I felt like it was getting incredibly close before they equalised. Um, just because of the way that Arsenal set up a little bit afterwards. Maybe we were a little bit reserved, a little bit um, sat off and gave them a bit of space, especially Mbwemo and Tony, who, uh, again, trying to get in behind. Um, but I think we just lost a bit of momentum in our passing and movement. Brentford were just very quick to you know close the ball down and maybe um, position themselves in a way uh, in in their half anyway in a really well defensive shape so that the moment that we we lose the ball it's bang uh, but yeah how do you see it yeah i think um i think they tried to flood the midfield a little bit and you know obviously we were able to get around that by going mostly up the wings but uh yeah i it 
Tony and Mbomo were definitely the two guys who were, you know, really tasked with dragging Brentford back into the match. And they, they did have a few chances after we scored. I think there was an Mbomo header that went just a few feet wide, if I remember correctly. But mm. and, and then, you know, I think Rico Henry coming down um, our right hand side uh, fired in a couple um, nervy crosses for us. But, you know, I think we still had the game largely in control. We are still, you know, passing around, keeping hold of the ball, uh, trying to continue attacking. And, you know, I don't remember us creating any particularly uh, notable chances. Um, there were a couple uh, instances, I think, of players firing over the goal. But I, I think we were just trying to knock on the door. I think we did drop a little bit in terms of our intensity going forward. And I think that did let Brentford into the match a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, I never, there was never really a moment where I felt like Brentford were, you know, imminently going to score. It always, it always felt like if they did score, it was going to be against the run of play. So, yeah, you know, we did give up a couple chances, but uh, I don't remember Brentford really doing anything that made me feel particularly threatened. Mm. What do you think that comes down to, though? Because I think Arsenal have a tendency of doing that quite often where they go goal up, but then they'll drop the intensity a little bit. Whereas other teams like a City's, maybe Liverpool previously, they scored a first and they're at your throat. They're making sure that they get a second straight away. Um, and maybe this is something that Arsenal need to work on. and Or maybe this is just part of the plan. Score the first goal, regroup, relax for five minutes. Control uh, the shape, uh, keep the shape and control the game and play at your tempo. But that doesn't often always work. Um, but what do you think this comes down to? Is it a, is it a case of just a psychological thing where they you know, find it difficult to press on for the second goal? Or is it something maybe that's a little bit more tactical? Yeah, I definitely think it's, you know, it's something to do with, um, it, it's it's definitely more of a mental thing. I don't think the plan is necessarily to score and then take the foot off the gas. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely something that, you know, Arteta will probably continue stressing to them and has been stressing to them. So, you know, it, it kind of takes me back a little bit to last season where we had this, where we had a much worse version of this problem where we would score and then we would just sit back and then really let the other team back into the match, like really give them high value opportunities to score a goal, level things, and then go from there. So I think the primary difference here is that we're giving up less valuable chances to the, um, to the opposition. You know, there was, there was never a situation in which Tony or Mbomo were in one-on-one and uh, on goal. There was never a situation in which, you know, they had a free shot uh, and, you know, the, the defense parted like the Red Sea for them to just fire at uh, Ramsdale and see if they could put it in the back of the net. So we really limited them to highly contested, low-value scoring opportunities. And obviously they weren't really able to take advantage of that because, you know, those are those are low XG situations that we gave mm. to, gave to them. So, you know, while we did drop the intensity, I, I think that's still us, you know, just more and more trying to uh, get over that, that little uh, mental hump that we have. And so I think we've, we're most of the way there, obviously, because again, like I said, we're not, 
we're not putting ourselves in clear danger, but you know, as we get better and better at this, I think we will start to see us, you know, go from scoring a goal and then taking 12, 13 minutes to score the next one to maybe scoring a goal and then scoring another one in three minutes or scoring another one in two minutes or a minute and a half, something like that. You know, the way that uh, City are really able to just hit you, hit you again, and then maybe, maybe slow down. But that's still not part of the plan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, I think it's just a mental thing. And it's not entirely surprising because this is still the the youngest uh, youngest team in the Premier League. We've got guys in their early 20s up and down the pitch, including in the goal. Uh, we brought on a guy who's 15 years old, so... You know, it's it's always something that you're going to have to deal with with younger players, that mental side of the game, that, you know, that mental fortitude that you need to really consistently dominate for as close to 90 minutes as you can get. So I'm not I'm not particularly worried about it, but if you know, if we do start to see instances in which we score and then really do let the other side back into the match and give them those high value opportunities you know, we'll, we'll know where that's coming from. Mm. I feel like maybe I'm another thing. Yeah, go on, sorry, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll say one thing as well. You've got a note with like City. Yes, they can, they score and then they score again. But again, it's completely mental. If you're a team and you go one nil down to City because of their history and what they do, your head just goes down. You're like, oh, we're, we're not, you, you, to beat City, you don't go from behind and then beat City. You, you don't do that. If you go behind from City, you're probably, you're, you're going to lose. Whereas with Arsenal, obviously we're known to have that sort of we can go up and still lose a game, so we're still earning that respect. Um, so I still think a lot of a lot of clubs will still just be like, right, let's get getting back on the counter because, it, like of old, we we've had that sort of um, softness about us, and a lot of people love to say that well, we were soft and we're soft. We're not soft anymore, but it takes a while to earn that credit. Do you know what I mean? So mm. the more games that we can do this and shut off shop, then. When we start scoring one goal, a lot of teams will start heads will go will go down a bit, and then we might start getting the pile on where we can put about two in five minutes or so. But yeah, it's all it's all sort of down mental aspect of the game, um, yeah, and sort of controlling it. And sometimes you can't play a game a hundred percent of the time. And I think Arteta even said that to Martinelli. He says he's just got to pace himself because he will injure himself if he carries mm-hmm. on like he does. Um, you've just got to pace yourself. So sometimes you can. The the trick is always to get the second goal. Just get the second goal, take 10 minutes, like play, but don't like go 100% for 10 minutes. And then you can go 100% again for another 20 minutes, look to get that that third goal and finish the game off. That's sort of like what City have been doing for years. Um, and that's just, that's, how it, that's just how it works and takes yeah. that mental aspect. So when, when, once we continue, if we can be consistent with our performances, a lot of teams will look at us and go, oh, okay, Arsenal are serious. And then, and then that that will come because when you play City, you know what to expect. When you play Arsenal, you don't really know what to expect. People are now starting to clock on at what you expect. But last season, year season before, you were like, ah, we could win this game. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, maybe I'm expecting a bit too much from Arsenal to score a second goal straight away because very few teams can do that. And uh, but then again, maybe it's because we're playing so well and we are who we are at the minute that I expect these kind of things now. These expectations that you expect from elite clubs are now being expected from Arsenal because we're just so good. Um, But we didn't have to wait too long for that second goal either. I mean, it it felt like a lifetime for me anyway, but we we scored that second goal uh, after 10 minutes or so, like Sham said. Um, 
Monty, do you want to talk us through the goal? Because it was some hell of a goal, wasn't it? It was very impressive. The build up, the cross, the header. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was it. it, it if you want to, if you want to talk about, you know, class and what classiness looks like in football, that was a class goal in a very unconventional kind of way. Yeah, no, it was class. But I think the one of the other things as well, the key word is confidence. I think if you go back a few years ago, we never would have attempted that pass. Xhaka would never have attempted that pass. Mm. Um, and it is even McKellar said after, he said he just feels a lot more at home with the club and the fans chanting in his name. He's just feeling more comfortable and happy. I mean, there, it was a great, it was an excellent pass. Like, it was just fantastic. Well-placed. Yes, Brentford didn't really help himself defensively. They, they could have closed Xhaka down, and, but we moved the ball so quick that that kind of left them double guessing their decision. Um, a better team would have would have probably closed down Jack and he wouldn't have had the time to do that. Um, but no, the the way the way he placed it and and Gabriel is just to go off his back shoulder and just suddenly burst to get that extra bit of space. I was a brilliant guy on the header, the execution to get it just under the bar. Yeah. And the power, he had it so flash. Um I don't think there could have been a sort of a better goal really. Um, and like you said, the build-up beforehand, the passing was so quick and it was clear, it was with intent. It wasn't, uh, I hate to mention them on this, but like Chelsea of late, they're just so boring. Yes, they have possession, they have possession. And it was like what we were like under um, under the start of uh, Unai Emery. It was just like pass, 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 pass. But yet we've still stayed in the fucking, on the halfway line. So it was just it was just quite boring. Um, but whereas this time there was it was clear intent. If if it was a sideways pass, it was because we were trying to shift their left back inside so we could then do a diagonal. It was like it was there was there was reason for every pass. Yeah. Um, which which is the key thing. And um the speed at which we did it allowed Xhaka the space and yeah, you can't take it away from him. That that and I've and I've said it every every time we've done an episode, I've said it all the time that Xhaka, since he had that interview we've just had a different Jack, man. Like he, he say what you want about him. He's probably one of, I think he's one of the, he's been one of the best midfielders this season. Yeah. Full stop, mm. full stop. Um, and, um, yeah, long may it continue. Cause that was a, that was, that was a beautiful pass. That kind of reminded me. It wasn't as good, but it was just at, it was up there as a, when Cancelo did that pass to Eric Harland, um, oh, yeah. versus Dortmund. Mm. It's kind of like that. Give me those sort of vibes. And you only do that as a player if you are confident. No player doesn't do it. That's why we haven't seen Trent Alexander-Arnold do that this season. Because yeah. he's not confident. He, he hasn't been confident. But two seasons ago, oh, mate, he was doing it for fun. He was doing like four of them a game and they were winning 4-0. Do you know what I mean? It's about the player, the mentality. and Because if you're not confident, you don't want to lose the ball and you don't want to make that mistake because you know the fans are against you. If they're if they're on you, but if they're, if they're with you and you know that you make a mistake, like we have been with all of our players this season, like Saliba scoring an own goal, you just support them. You don't feel that bad making that mistake because one, you know the team are going to be there to to press and counter and get that ball back, so it's not actually that big of an issue. Mm. And two, that you're not going to get liberation from the fans. You're just going to get he tried it, he failed. It is what it is. That's football. You're not going to score every attempt. Just go again, mate. Do you know what I mean? And and because he's got that back in, we're seeing a whole new Xhaka, and I love it. 
Yeah, he was incredibly impressive. And had mm. Jesus not got man of the match, I think it would have been Granit Xhaka. He was all over the place. And I yeah. was a little bit apprehensive to see him play without Odegaard because Odegaard picks up a lot of that creative play, uh, that advanced midfield position. Um, but it was, yeah, it was refreshing to see him play that ball because, you know, we've actually seen him make those kind of passes this season, but they just haven't ended up with a goal. Um, so maybe, you know, people often forget that he's got this in his locker room. He's got the ability to play that final pass. And um, it's not just that final pass, but it's also the range of different passes that he plays. So, you know, whether it's playing, uh, you know, a simple ball across the pitch, across the face of goal, or be it uh, something that is, um, you know, 20 yards forward, but it, 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 it brings out a, a space and an area for players to run into. Um, it, like you said, it's just meaningful football, and that's something that I really appreciate about the way Arsenal are playing at the minute. It's it's it. I mean, you could, um, from maybe from a neutral's perspective, you could look at a game and say Arsenal moving the ball around quite slowly. It looks a bit sluggish. It looks a bit repetitive. It looks a bit robotic. But actually, what's happening is that we're playing this type of football. Um, almost as a kind of like a deception tool for the opposition who don't know what's coming. So if you if you if you remember if you think back maybe ten seconds before we uh, before Shaka played the ball to Tierney and then Tierney back to Shaka, it was um, I think it was Vieira who picks up the ball and he's on the right hand side of the pitch and it's you know it's, nothing's really going on. But then Vieira plays the ball to Shaka, still nothing's really going on. Shaka plays the ball to Tierney. Still nothing's going on. Tierney plays the ball back to Shaka. Still, even still in this position, nothing is going on. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are eight Brentford shirts behind that ball. Nothing should be going on. But all of a sudden, bang, that one ball. And even when that ball is played, nothing is going on. There are three, there are three players surrounding, I think it's Saka and Jesus. Jesus has no right to make contact with that ball. But because it's... And even the cross, as perfect as it is, you'd expect a defender to beat Jesus in that situation. But somehow, he has the desire to want it more. He leaps and he makes the most incredible contact because you have to remember that that cross there doesn't have the, you know, it doesn't have the most amount of pace on it. It's not, it's not fired at him in a way that he just needs to make contact and then the same kind of pace will um, be reflected when he makes contact. He has to generate that power from his neck and not only that, but he needs to direct it in a place in that goal where the goalkeeper is out, is out of reach for him. And he does it. And so from absolutely nothing, Arsenal managed to score a really well-worked goal. Um, and again, it was it was pretty much the same for the third goal. We'll talk about that. But after this second goal, I feel like the floodgates were opened in that last 10 minutes of the first half. There was a chance from Saka, who, um, you know, you lashed over... Uh, Put, put Brentford under under pressure. They made, uh, I think they 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 lost the ball in their own half, uh, allowing uh, allowing Saka to have a shot. Shaka had a long uh, range effort, um, but someone who really caught my eye in that last 10-15 minutes. I don't know if you guys noticed, um, but Kieran Tierney played a really interesting kind of role in that in that in that first half, and actually overall in during the game as the game was being played um, I saw certain developments in the way that he was moving in the way that he was positioning himself he had a long range effort that goes over as well but it was really interesting for me that Tini positioned himself it, 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 kind of in the middle of a defensive midfield position with Shaka 
um, covering that left left hand side. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if you, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you if you guys realize the pattern, but it was almost kind of um, reflective of how Zinchenko positions himself in certain aspects in certain moments of the game. That was really interesting for me because we know that Tierney's default position is playing as tight to the touchline as possible picking up the ball bombing forward and lashing that ball into the into the box but now it was it, it's it's developed a little bit more where he's getting himself more involved in the build up play uh deeper in midfield um you know alongside Shaka alongside Partey and um just making himself more um What's the right word I'm looking for? Approachable? <laughs> Making himself more available. And, available. Yeah, available. And that that was really nice to see because it shows me that here is a player who is ready to go that extra mile, to really compete for that, posi- for that position on the left-hand side. And that is going to get the best out of both of them. And I'm so, so excited to see that. Um, but anyway, that, 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 that first half finishes with Arsenal scoring two goals. Uh, Brentford really struggling to get back into the second half. And actually, very, the second half very much was a continuation of the end of that first half. It was all Arsenal uh, starting really strong, an attacking move that sees both Saka and Jesus being really dangerously allowed to sort of walk into the box. Um, and then we score almost, you know, very soon after that incident. Um, when did we score? Four minutes after the the continuation of the first half. Why did I say it like that? Just say it normally. Four minutes after the second half. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sham, do you want to talk us through that third goal? Because, it, again, another really impressive goal. I think what was more impressive for me, other than the finish, was the way that we were able to get ourselves in that position, just again, from something, from nothing to something. Um, but yeah, t- t- talk us through that, f- through that third goal, which essentially killed the game. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I think that was our Teta ball at its peak, really, you know, that was, I think it was 20 something passes of us just feeding the ball up the pitch, you know, kind of passing it around the penalty box not seeing or, you know, not liking maybe that the the final passes that we had on, recycling possession a little bit and then feeding it back, um, you know, just to just to maintain possession and keep the ball out of Brentford's uh, Brentford's feet. There was um, the, the 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 second time we kind of cycled the ball, you know, through the team. There was that one moment where Saliba got the ball and he was under pressure, I think, by two Brentford players. Mm. And um, he he had that really brilliant moment where he just very calmly, you know, uh, just turned, got himself out of trouble and was off and just, you know, slid the ball over, I think, to, to White on his right or it might have been to, to party. It was it was over in you know, the right midfield area. And so, you know, just just to stop there and just say, you know, it, it's amazing what a calming, assuring player Mm. uh, William Sleba is in the most competitive league in the world at the age of 21. You know, uh, like Monty said earlier, I I think he's going to go on to be, you know, I'm not going to say all-time great just yet because we do need to see a little bit more out of him, but he he is going to be, you know, a top five world, uh, top five center back in the world, you know, in in the very near future. So, you know, I'm I'm interested to see how he fares in the French World Cup team. 
in a, in a couple months from now, whether or not he is able to break into that starting 11 will be really interesting to watch, but yeah, he gets himself out of trouble very calmly, progresses the ball up the pitch. Saka eventually gets it, you know, um, floats down the right wing a little bit and then laterals it over to Vieira. And then, you know, Vieira just has this moment of, you, you could almost see him just saying to himself, why not? And then just, you know, with really little backlift, just smashes the ball at goal, pings it in off the post. You know, Raya is nowhere near saving it. Uh, and that's his first Arsenal goal. So I, I think that really was us kind of uh, capping things off with a flourish. You know, again, it was it, it was a really dominant lead up to the goal where we had, I think, 20-something passes and, you know, never only only once really looked like losing the ball in a difficult situation and we got out of that and yeah it was it was the epitome of control and so that that left us at three nil and it was really impressive and i think that's kind of the thing that that fabio Vieira brings to the side is this directness about him you know this willingness to have a shot you know i remember with porto he had a pretty high rate of um, of providing goal contributions, whether that's from goals or assists. So to see him bring that over into the Premier League and you know smashing a great goal like that was um, was really lovely to see. Yeah, it was a really really good finish, and as you say, the build up itself. Um, I I I was born in a in a in a, in, a, in a time where, well, uh, Arsene Wenger took over and. He built that incredible legacy that he did. Um, and so I associate Arsenal with playing beautiful football. And right now I feel like we are living in like a golden age or we've gone back to the golden age where the football is just magnificent to watch. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that, you know, as months go by, come the end of the season, we will be reflecting hopefully on... Um, a manager who is going to be sought after from the very top, very best clubs in the world. I, I like to think, hopefully, that happens. But um, as things stand, you know, the, the football on display, and you have to remind yourself that this was at Brentford. This was um, at a place where United got battered 4-0. Uh, you know, they made it really difficult for City to get a result. And I think last season, was it 3-3 against Liverpool? Um, but, yeah, free, free. Yeah, free, free. But you know, just, just, just as you say, it's not just Saliba, but it's just everybody playing with such a, a level of maturity, but also um, that calm presence that you just. And it's not just a calming presence; it's a reassuring, but it's also reaffirming that here is someone who is, you know, top class. Um, when we when we talk about Shaka and the way that he's playing his football this season, it's very similar to how Henderson was playing for the uh, Liverpool league winning side. He was pivotal for that team to to just you know do the dirty work, do the graft, get the ball, feed it on, but do it in the most accurate way, the most effective way. Um, and yeah, that second that third goal epitomised everything that's happening for Arsenal and all the hard work that's been done over the last you know however many months however many years um since Arteta's been hit um but uh, Monty Vieira's strike shows us a glimpse of what's to come he is a player with a lot of balls 
Um, and we saw that you know, when he when he when he came on. Uh, who, who did he make his debut against? I forget. Um, uh, was, was it not Zurich? Because he hasn't. That was yes. his Premier League debut, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes, Zurich. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. We saw him against Zurich, and we saw how confident he is, mm-hmm. um, and just how much he wants to get onto the ball. But how, how do you assess, or how did you assess his debut? Um, score, d- despite the goal, if he hadn't scored the goal, what do you think we'd be uh, saying about him? Mate, I, I really liked him. Um, and the main thing for me, yes, it's like leading up to the goal. The goal was great. Um, but he's not the first Portuguese man to score on their debut. Look at Cedric Soares, and it wasn't even far off from this exact same thing. Left foot, mm-hmm. right corner, outside the box. But um, yeah, and in regards to him as a player, I mean, he was so quick. He was so decisive with, with what he wanted to do. And I mean, what I, what I loved, and it was especially with the, the, the sort of the connection he has with Martinelli, what I saw for the first time in a long time um, with Arsenal was we were playing really direct, although we were going to the wings. We were playing like in the trenches a lot. Like we were passing to players who were surrounded by four people with like f- like a four yard box around them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's such a tight spaces and mm-hmm. because they have that confidence and they know where they're going to be after that one touch, they're not necessarily stressing as much. Um, whereas I think before we were a bit lost, so that's why we never did that risk because we knew we were just going to lose the ball. Um, and, and you can see the chemistry that, that Vieira and Martinelli are building and because obviously they are Portuguese speaking. Um, so that's really good and, and we'll start seeing that with Jesus as well. And I mean, it just shows you with that, the celebration with Martinelli and Vieira. But no, I really like him as a player. He, do you know, I'm trying to think like who he reminds me of and I was, I was sort of stuck on this earlier. And it's, it's quite a difficult... He gives me, like, back in the day, like Lindbergh vibes. Like... Mm. He 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 was just he got he just did his job. Do you know what I mean? He did his job. He had he had a goal in him, but he you didn't re- he wasn't like a bar the goal obviously, but he he wasn't sort of like an electric like Martinelli where he was buzzing around the pitch like a Duracell bunny. It was like he just he was so consistent. Like he didn't really make a wayward pass. Um, his tackles were, were, were clean. Um, he would just get the ball and move forward, and that's that was what like what Limburg was to me. He was just mm. like Mister Consistent. He used to just literally just get the ball. He used to just truck it over, um, and he used to just just keep the ball moving. Um, so no, I'm re- I'm really happy with Vieira, uh, and I think the whole fan base should be uh, because we finally get to see him properly in a prem, mm. uh, which is what we what we wanted for a long time, really. Um, and it gives me a lot of confidence because Erdegaard, obviously, when I said I was saying before when I saw him off the team. I was worried. I was like, where are our goals coming from? Because Erdogan's been phenomenal. Um, and and seeing Vieira be able to connect like that and already have this sort of the, the connection with the players, um, because it, it's all intuition. Like when you, when you get into a pitch, a coach and a manager can, can tell you about triangles. You can tell you about passing patterns. But at the end of the day, when you're on the pitch, the game changes. People set up differently. People move out of the game. So you, it's all about intuition and you knowing where that player is. Um, and he seems to have just sort of seamlessly come into it. He hasn't quite got there like with Erdiard when he does his sort of like backhill flicks with Saka because he knows he's doing that run or he hasn't got there yet. But in the time that he's been there to do what he's done, he's going to be a really good player for us. And yes, the finish was was perfect. The way, the way because it was a left foot, the goalie thinks he's going to go over to the the, the far left corner or, or the goalie's right. Um, and he doesn't, and he sort of overshifts his weight and he can't come back in. 
it was just a brilliant finish. It was it was a, it was a brilliant finish, and the, the and it was serious similar to what Sham was saying. It was kind of like Arteta ball, really. I mean, Saliba had had the that moment where it it could have could have been a turnover, and we could have uh, conceded a goal, a bit like sort of the Mitrovic goal against Fulham. But he t- he turns away from his man. He pushes it. I think he pushed it up to party no it was, oh no it was straight up to Vieira I believe it was or, yeah. or Xhaka and, yeah no it went to Vieira yeah Vieira then pushed it out wide to Saka I think and then Saka sort of ran out the wing yeah and it was north south it was just it was literally north south there was no dilly dally and it was like right we need to go get a goal we got this ball back on a and and like because they overcommitted because they saw the sort of the issue with mm. Saliba so they overcommitted and we turned it around on them we wouldn't have done that years ago um and it's, it's like you said, like you said earlier, far and I think we are a serious team now. Um, and I, I think the fans, some of the the fans who didn't quite believe it, are now starting to believe it. I mean, I've I known I known sort of Arteta's football for a while, and I've always been behind it. But now we have the quality to finish it. Now we're threatening. Now we're dangerous. And I think even uh, there was an interview actually. It was quite interesting, and it was um, Pochettino. Yeah, I um, knew you were going to say that. I yeah, thought of that immediately the, as soon as you said interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the the Pochettino one, and he was saying about who 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 do you think um, sort of would, would be a good good manager going forward? And he, he highlighted Mikel Arteta, and he, he mentioned when he played with him at PSG when he came in as a seventeen year old, and he said the maturity that he has of the game at seventeen was just uncanny. Um, it was just unheard of. Uh, and he was talking about football like he's played for it for about 20 years already. Like he was like 30 years old. Um, so it's 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 really good uh, to have that sort of manager who can articulate the way that he wants to play. Hmm. Um, and he highlighted how how he thinks he's going to be a top, top manager. And we're starting to see it. So I, I hope this could be a, a season where Arteta finally gets some uh, good credit for himself. You know, Yeah, it's a long time yeah. coming because I, I, I don't know about you guys, right? But I've never been a tactical enthusiast or I've never watched the game the way that I watch it now. But since Arteta's come in, I'm like, I'm not a genius on the way that the game is played, but he's made it so idiot proof that I can tell you what he's doing on the pitch, what he's trying to reflect. I can tell you what how he wants us to play. And I think it's the first time for... Well, the first time that I'm seeing it, a lot of fans are finally understanding the way that the game's being coached. And that's unheard of, because when you watch a game of football, you watch, you know, we, we watch as casual fans. If somebody's shit, you say they're shit. If somebody's playing well, you, you play well, they're playing well. They're, that's a class player. That's an elite player. That's a, that's a goat. And that's just an average player. You know, it, it's kind of like the eye test, right? But now we can break things down. We're actually able to understand you know, centimeters in the game. For example, the 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 way that Kieran Tain was positioned, I shouldn't be able to know those kind of things. But Arteta is making it so easy for me to interpret that. It's just foolproof. Um, well, what's the what's the famous uh, saying by Da Vinci? Isn't it uh, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication? And I'll take your word for it. But yeah, it sounds yeah. <laughs> it's 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 as simple as it is. Like you yeah. make it look simple. And it, it's because it, at the end of the day, there's a problem, a solution. If you overcomplicate things and you give your player too much to think about, and this is very similar to American football. Um, like I was, I was a quarterback, and you can have multiple things going on. You have to read plays, but if you make it simple, it's a case of if your man is there, you do this. 
if he is not there, you do this. It's yeah. as simple as that. There's one or two things. I mean, American football is free. You either pass, run, or you have a run option. That's it. You have your free routes and you then do your reads on each step. And it's it's very simple. All you have to do is just react to what he does. If he steps back, okay, he's probably doing a man coverage or cover two and whatnot. But the simpler you make it, the easier it becomes. And that's what Arteta's done. I think he's educated them so well, um, or he's educated, able to articulate why he, you're doing what you're doing so well that they understand it a lot easier now. Um, mm. And that's why we're seeing the, the play that we do because they seem to have this intuition and all the great teams have it to know when they, they can do these plays and they can do all these sort of plays and all these types of uh, football where they just sort of, they, they seem to know where each other are. Uh, it's like they, they haven't even looked. They haven't even looked to know where he is. They just know he's there. And that's because the game plan is for them to be there um, at that time, depending on and reacting on the space. So when you get a whole team on that page, it's a very dangerous team, very dangerous team. Absolutely. And look, following that third goal, um, again, it was just, it was pretty much, and we would expect maybe the top teams or any team being free and up to sit off, relax, but it was constant. And it was just opportunity after opportunity. Um, and something else that I noticed, which was really, and this is a very small thing, but it makes a big, big difference. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but when Partey picks up the ball in midfield and he runs past, runs past two players, uh, passes the ball back. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Saliba. Saliba passes it, passes it back to him. He gets sandwiched in between two or three players who put in a sliding tackle. And then instantly, all 11 Arsenal players in fury, approaching the referee, trying to force something. Um, but that even that in itself is so refreshing because now we can't be bullied by anyone. If we're working as a unit and if we're helping each other, supporting each other and even being free and up, you could easily just brush that foul aside. Yeah, you know, Brentford are being petty. We're free and up. It's fine. You know, it was as if we were the we were the team who were losing three 0 and we were furious at the kind of uh, sliding fouls that um, Brentford players were making on party. Um, but another player, party, who came back after uh, being out for a few weeks, but again, didn't seem like he was away. Made all the difference in midfield. Um, I was very very concerned that this was going to be a recurring injury because of his history. But Sham. How did you think Partey did coming back? How influential was he during that 90 minutes? And, um, you know, how, how important is he to us going forward and continuing to play this kind of brand of football? Yeah, I mean, you, you and I have talked about how Sambi has performed in that area of the pitch. And, mm. you know, I think... I, I think right away having party back in that in that position kind of shows what we were missing there. You know, he the, 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 I think the first thing really is that assurance that he plays with. You know, there isn't this kind of uh, anxious energy coming from the middle of the pitch anymore. You know, party knows what uh, what he's doing. He's really confident in his abilities. And then you know the second thing is kind of like he just kind he he controls that space. You know, he's constantly where he's supposed to be. He's, you know, providing an option to the center backs. He's kind of uh, in that 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 back five of, out, of outfield players whenever we're, uh, you know, moving forward uh, in the attack and trying to get into the opposition box. You know, party's kind of at the base of a triangle 
with uh, Gabrielle and Saliba. And, you know, he had Tierney on one side, he had White on the other. Uh, obviously, you know, those two kind of um, uh, alternate in terms of which one's, you know, making the overlapping run for their winger. But uh, on top of that, you know, he just, the, the passing was nice and crisp. He was dribbling himself out of trouble. He was winning duels in his area. And I think those are all things that Sambi lacked when when he uh, took over that mantle for Party and El Nani for the last couple games. So, you know, having Party back, it's it, it, it's really just, you know, that jump in quality between kind of um, uh, a rookie and a veteran in that position. So, yeah, I... I, I I wish we could replay that United game with him there. I'm mm. more than confident we would have won that if Partia had been available. But yeah, he really just solidifies our midfield. And, you know, he gives us one less thing to worry about. And yeah, I mean, he's... I, I still don't think we require him to play the, you know, the immensely uh, make-or-break role that I think he played for us the last couple seasons. But he's still an important part or an important enough cog in the machine where, you know, if you don't have them there, it's really noticeable what you lose out on in terms of technical quality, in terms of control of the area, in terms of just, you know, settling down the people around him and not playing with, with, with anxiety. So yeah, it was, it was really great to have him back and, you know, hopefully he can stay fit on a more consistent basis this season that's that's kind of the one thing with him. If we can have him for, you know, let's call him let's call it 40 games this season, I think we are going to be on track for a very successful campaign. Yeah, yeah, and I think most of that will require obviously um making the right changes at the right time if we're winning the game, taking him off early like we did in the 77th minute um and not making him play in the Europa League group stages. Please, Mikel, I beg. Uh, but other than um, that, I don't know if there's anything else to speak about regarding the game. It was pretty much uh, just a, you know, a routine 15, 20 minutes from us, seeing the game out. We're making the changes, uh, party Martinelli, and um, later on, uh, Saka and Vieira coming off. Um, momentum of the game doesn't really change much. Usually when, you know, substitutions are made, something happens, whether, you know, Arsenal get a bit sloppy with, because, you know, players who are coming on don't make the right touches or they're just not getting into the game as quickly. Um, but obviously, you know, being free and up, you'd expect Brentford to just, you know, try to see the game out as well. Uh, their best opportunity came in the 70th minute when the applause was going around for the Queen. Um, so yeah, they were very, 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 um, kind of underwhelming, which was strange. And I don't know whether it was the break as well, cause they, they, they're coming off a two week break as well themselves and going into a two week break now cause, um, as well. So yeah, I guess we played them at the right time, but we do have the matter of, you know, the North London Derby in a few weeks time. Um, before we end, I do want to just quickly have a chat about it cause it is a huge occasion uh monty you're fortunate enough to go to the game and you know i'm sure you're gonna have a an incredible time uh, mm -hmm. depending on you know whether we, we win or lose ah, but, <laughs> but um how, how do you see us approaching this game because you know both teams going into this game 
are going into this in you know, quite different kind of forms. I know result-wise, and I want to put results on one side and you know the league table on one side because the performances of both teams have been completely different. I think Spurs have been one of the jammiest sides in the, in the, in the league at the minute. To be where they are, they've you know they're quite fortunate to find themselves where they are because if we look back at the beginning of the season where they started off their campaign of a 4-1 victory over Southampton which was convincing fine Chelsea 2-2 um they stole that in the end I don't know how Chelsea managed to let them do that Wolves game very jammy didn't deserve to win that game I felt um and lucky to get a 1-0 win uh Nottingham Forest as well not convincing West Ham not convincing mm. Fulham not convincing and um, the, Le- the Leicester, Leicester game the other day. Was I mean, yeah, if it was a better team, they they, they should have won. They, sh- they should have scored more goals. Yeah, and, and like I said, it was a very entertaining game of football, despite the fact that there were two terrible footballing sides on display. So, how do you see Spurs approaching this game? Because I think Antonio Conte knows his side are not going to be able to play the football that Arsenal are playing. So, what do they do to try and nullify the way that we play and to try and sneak a result? Because I think they they're going to want to try and sneak a result it's not going to be a case of coming to the Emirates dominating the game it's going to be a case of coming to the Emirates trying to do something to put us off as much as possible but I just I don't know what that thing might be um I think that was sort of I won't say shut up shop I think that's a bit um I don't think they'll do that they've got players that definitely push forward um I think at the end of the day they're just going to try and play their football you, you can which you can is what yeah, I mean, theirs is just smash and grab at the moment. It seems to be. Um, like they get the ball, they 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 go forward, they go forward with pace. That's the main thing. Mm. But they they absorb pressure and they smash and grab, which isn't really sustainable, to be fair. But we'll get there. Um, I think content at the end of the day, they're going to just try and play what 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 they want to do, and they're, they're probably going to want to frustrate the midfield, overload it. They're going to want us to stop us from going wide with their wing back. So they're going to want to choke us out there and then exploit us wide. That's probably what they're going to try and do and spread Saliba and uh, Gabriel wide so Kane can run through the middle. That's probably what we're going to try and do. But honestly, I don't think I, I'm looking at Arteta's side. He's not. He just he doesn't give a flying fuck what Tottenham do. He's just focused on what we can do. And if if we play our football, Tottenham won't even get the fucking chance to touch the ball. So um, I'm I'm honestly not worried about that game. Um, yeah, it's a North London derby; anything can happen. But at home, I'm not worried about games personally. Like I'm not even worried about Liverpool at home or or City at home away. Sure, sure, different different ball game. But the, the fans are just they're just they're just mental. They're mental this year. They're they're on a they're on different different levels. Like, I mean, the North London derby last year was crazy, but this year. Excuse me, that's something I've never seen, man. So I'm buzzing for it. Um, I, honestly, I don't think Tottenham are going to get much of the ball. Uh, I think what we're going to try and do is definitely go out 100% off the start. We need to score early and get their heads mm. down because the longer it goes on nil-nil, the, the much better it plays into Tottenham's hands. And because they've got those world-class players, you'll see Song trying to pop off goals from fucking range and he can do that. He can do that well. Um, so yeah, we need to we need to get an early goal like we did like like last year. We got those two early goals. We got Saka and Emerson Smith-Rowe on the score sheet, and we need to have the same again, really. Um, and and yeah. if we can go into the half sort of three 0 two 0 I think the game's pretty much done. Um, but wishful thinking. But I, I yeah, I, I appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> I think- no, but I I just I honestly I was just from I just 
when I look at Tottenham, right, they're a good team. They're a good team. I'm not going to stand and go, they're a shit team because they're not. They're, they're, they haven't lost a game this season. Mm. Have they been jammy? Yes. Mm. But is that is that what is that what title contending teams do? Yes, they 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 get results they shouldn't have. That that's what makes you a title challenger. So we're going to have to be serious. Obviously, it's yeah. a Northland derby. You can't not go into the game being serious. Um, but we've just got to be. We've just got to not make mistakes. Don't let the pressure get to the get to you. But at the end of the day, Tottenham are going to come in there with a lot more pressure than us because we're going to have the backing of our fans. It's going to be so hostile for them. I'm talking from the coach coming in. Everything's going to be hostile for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and at um, the end of the day, they've they've got an undefeated record that they want to keep, don't they? So and they, yeah. they want to take us off our top spot. And if they lose that game, their next game's against City. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh mate, there's big big games so, for them. Exactly, exactly. So if they lose, if they lose to us, and then they lose to City, and it's not going to look good for them. Um, and they, they could they could be dropping off to like fourth or fifth if, if Man United win their games, Chelsea win their games, Brighton even win their games, even though they have got Liverpool and uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. I can't remember. They've got difficult, difficult games. But do you know what I mean? They can drop off. So it's a turning point. And I think there's a lot more pressure on Tottenham than there is Arsenal for this game. Yeah, yeah. I have I a feeling that... Yeah, call me. Sorry, I, I just want to say, I, I have a feeling that City are going to tear Spurs apart. And, yeah, you know, especially with Holland being on the scoring run that he's on right now, I think we're really going to see an exposure of just how compact Spurs are. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree I, with, with yeah, Monty's thing. I, I speaking of Holland as well, I genuinely think there's only one centre back in the league that can actually contain him, and I think that is genuinely, at the moment on four, Mister Leva. I, I mm. only, th- I think that is the only centre back that could go up with him. I think Diaz maybe. But obviously, he's on the same team. But honestly, I I, I think Saliba's the only one who could actually square up with him and, and uh, trying to get the physicality against him because he's also just as strong. So yeah. I'm waiting for that. I can't wait for that City game. I'm, that's the test. That's the one I'm really waiting for. And I'm fuming I couldn't get a ticket. Fuming. But um, that is yeah. that is when exactly? That's... Yeah, it's been postponed. So, ah, uh, yes, of, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to the Liverpool game and I'm going to the North London derby, but uh, I did. I wasn't able to get a City game, which was annoying. But because I, because obviously you, you know, Fran, I've, I've still yet to, I've, I've never seen us lose. Yes, in the league game. I know. Never. Long may that continue. So, yeah, long may it continue. So I was really hoping to get a City one because if, if I go to the North London derby and the Liverpool game, we win both. And then I carry on still going and I will still win. <laughs> mate, I'll but buy I'll, tickets for you to go to mate, games. Mate, I will literally send I'll send a little email. I'll send a I'll fucking post a letter okay. to, to, to Highbury House and I'll be like, look, mate, this is gonna be number f- it'll be thirty one if uh I, I go to the Liverpool game and still win. I'll be like, this is the thirty first game I've been to and I've never seen us lose at home in the league game. Where's my season ticket, mate? I've been waiting nine years, mate. Where is it? Yeah, so, I, hopefully. I mean, look, Spurs Spurs are not going to just come to the Emirates and allow us to be able to play our football. I think uh, if, if there's something that I learned from that Leicester game is that they just need that one player to turn up. And um, it's, it scares me a little bit that the, the, the style of football that we play, which is which requires everyone to push so high up and to you know leave us a little bit exposed, gives players like Son, Richarlison, etc that space to just run into and cause havoc i'm sure arteta has something planned uh, but sham how do you see it um playing down yeah i mean 
I, I think the key is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the key is going to be being clinical. You know, if we have the ball and we go forward, one of the two things that we need to try to do, you know, early and often is to either hold on to the ball or put it in the back of the net uh, or, you know, put the ball out of play. So if, if we can do that and limit the number of opportunities that we allow to Spurs, limit the number of times, you know, we lose the ball in, the, in their penalty box or, you know, lose the ball in the final third or, you know, try a shot that uh, Lloris is able to hold on to. Yeah, I think the I think the more likely we are to come away with the win because, like you said, it the the high line that we play and you know the the way that we like to hold on to possession that's exactly what Spurs would want us to do. But the the thing is, I think we do have the center backs to compete with them. I think um, you know if Tierney plays, I think we have someone who can nullify. Uh, you know, someone on the right, like Kulosevsky, or maybe if Richarlison plays there. And I think White can do a decent job of at least, you know, keeping even with San and limiting his his effectiveness. And then, you know, of course, Saliba and Gabriel are going to figure into that as well. So, you know, they will get a number of chances, you know, at least I'd say like at least like three to four breaks on us that look really, really threatening just because of the way that, you know, we try to squeeze the pitch and we leave all that space in behind us. But if if we're just smart with the chances that or with, with the chances we pick and if we're careful with the ball and not sloppy in our passing and we don't try to play any hero ball in the final third, I, I think we're going to be OK. Because once you force the issue on Spurs, once you put them in a position where they need to come up with a goal, I think that's that's when you have them right where you want them. So I'm confident. Again, you know, their Spurs are Spurs have really turned into a side where if things go their way, then you, you know it's it's just one of those things where it's they're they're almost uh, unstoppable. But I I don't see that happening at the Emirates. You know, may, maybe maybe at the Toilet Bowl will be a different situation. But mm. I think at the Emirates, with the crowd behind us, um, with us in the form that we're in, I you know, I I, I I'm a I feel I feel comfortable expecting a win. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think most I think most of us will. And um, yeah, again, this is going to be another very very big test. I think they're all going to be tests until we get to see. But um, yeah, like I said, is 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 it's nice that we are not being complacent. We are expecting a lot more of ourselves every game. Um, but we've got a, a two week break now to kind of relax and enjoy the international break. Um, we will be back next week to talk Arsenal I don't know what we're going to talk about but I'm sure we'll find something uh, I am however going to leave it here for this episode I hope you enjoyed this uh, this one this edition if you did please do give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts let us know what you thought of the show by reaching out to us on Twitter um, you can find us over there at Ask Therapy Pod and um, of course do follow the boys as well do follow myself uh, get in touch with us if you know if there's any comments or anything that you want to um, throw our way you can find me on Twitter at GunnarSince96 you can find Monty on Twitter at uh, Monty underscore official underscore and you can find Sham at Dope 
Kuna. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to leave it there. We will be back next week to talk about something. Maybe have a guest on or something. I don't know. I'll try and sort something out. Uh, but until then, have yourselves a very good week and we'll see you very soon. Or you, we, we won't see you, but you'll hear from us soon. Uh, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you.